Welcome everybody back to Top Shelf Talks Hockey Stripes Edition. My name is Chris Gickler and I talk about hockey, amateur hockey especially in the USA Hockey world. Again, I'm not affiliated directly with USA Hockey, but I am a USA Hockey official, have been a USA Hockey official for around 10 years. Kind of get information out to everybody on things that are happening in the USA Hockey world, talk about some stuff that are floating around social media and things that people have brought questions to me about how to apply rules and different scenarios out there when you're working as an official on the ice. Again, I'd like to thank everybody for their support and the channel, feedback that we get. Keep it coming. I appreciate it. So we're going to start off this week with a couple of questions that I saw out on social media uh, groups that I'm in. Kind of interesting, and I just wanted to, you know, as an official, you would handle that situation. So this one here first comes from Larry, uh, and Larry submitted to the Facebook group. I'm going to cut out part of this, but it says beer league that mostly uses USA rules. Attacking team kicks the puck into the goal. Low ref signals goal as he didn't see it kicked. High ref correctly waves the goal as he saw it kicked. Defending player flips the puck out of play in frustration before he saw the high ref wave the goal and is issued a penalty, obviously after the stoppage. So the question is, the face-off is in the neutral zone, illegal goal caused by a stoppage of play, or is it in the offending team's defending zone due to the penalty? Crew that was working the ice said the latter. We chose and believe that the correct position for the face-off would, would be in the defending zone, so down low. And this would be probably the zone that the goal was waved off in because it was the defending player that was actually penalized. The key here is that the defender flips the puck out of play, which is obviously a penalty under a unsportsmanlike conduct by taking the puck and flipping it out of play, meaning into the stands or off the surface of the ice. There's a few things that apply here under the 601 rule unsportsmanlike conduct that you can use for this. And it just, again, goes back to your game management and how you want to apply this rule. Under 601, abusive officials or other misconduct, and this would fall under unsportsmanlike conduct because he flipped the puck out of play. If the defending player flips a puck out of play, under 601, a minor penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct shall be assessed any player commits some of these actions. You have challenges, disputes, the ruling of an official. Well, you can apply it there because he flipped it out, puck out of play. Or number four, the puck after the whistle, in the opinion of the official, was shot was unavoidable. Well, he flipped it out of play, so that was unavoidable. So you can assess a minor penalty under one of those subsections. Challenges the play, creates a disturbance during the game, or shoots the puck after the whistle if it's the opinion of, of the official that the shot was, was avoidable. If you really want to apply the rule hard it is specifically called out under the misconduct penalty under 601 10 shoots or bats the puck outside the playing area during a stoppage of play when it's not done in protest of the official's decision or in the direction of a spectator so if you really want to apply the rule hard you could issue this player a 10 minute misconduct penalty if you put a 10 minute misconduct penalty on there there's obviously no time put on the board because there's no minor penalty associated with it it's clearly just a misconduct penalty. For whatever's happening in the game, if you feel it's better to place that player on the penalty bench for 10 minutes, you can apply it under the misconduct penalty rule in 601, subsection 10, shoots, backs, pucks, play out of playing area during the stoppage of play. Now, I would probably 
you know, lean more toward just issuing a minor penalty under the challenge, creates a disturbance, or shoots a puck after the whistle through the two-minute penalty. Let's go back to the question, what was asked. Where is the face-off in this certain scenario? With the new rules from USA Hockey, it would be then set at the, def- at the defending end zone. So in this case, it would be down low in the in the defending end zone of the player who was penalized, which is basically where the puck was waved off the for the kick. Miscon- or the misconduct penalty, and there's nothing put on the board as a minor penalty, then the faceoff would come out the neutral zone because the player that caused the stoppage of play was the offending. If you assess a misconduct penalty, there's nothing put on the board. You would move it outside into the neutral zone because the stoppage of play was caused by the player the attacking player kicking it into the goal. You have some flexibility under the unsportsmanlike conduct to apply this either as a two-minute penalty or as a 10-minute misconduct. Use your best judgment. The second one was submitted by a Brian. Before the new season starts, looking for clarification on one thing. A minor is called, it expires, and the player gets out of the box, but the player on the bench steps on the ice at the same time to replace the penalized player. Should this be too many men if none of these players touch the puck? I haven't been calling it because it's men's league, but not sure what to call if it happens in a youth hockey game. Thank you in advance, TIA. This is an interesting one, and it took me a little bit of research, and I've had to deal with this myself. I've also had to deal with penalty box official, which obviously is a parent most of the time, releasing a player when he shouldn't have been released. And I've actually had players at the high school level decide that they were done with their penalty, jumped on the ice, and then I end up giving them a game misconduct. So I've had dealt, dealt with all that kind of stuff because then I have to go back. So if you ever have a player that leaves the penalty box early, my recommendation is official there in the penalty box to say, did you release the player early by mistake? If they say, oh, heck no, he just jumped over the boards and headed on the ice, then obviously you're going to give him a game misconduct for you know, coming out of the penalty box when he's supposed to be in the penalty box. The official in there, the parent, in most cases, will say, yeah, man, I opened the door up early, sorry, whatever. It's fine, no big deal, stop at your play, take the face-off at last location, nearest face-off spot, and you put the kid back in the box, let the uh, game go on. But in this case here, he's saying that the player player is on the ice, runs over, and gets on the bench. It falls under the rule for player lineup and substitution of players in the rule book. Under 3C, a player serving a penalty in the penalty bench whose penalty has expired must proceed by way of the ice and be at the player's bench before any substitution can be made, except when a major or match penalty is imposed and then it falls on adult classifications rules reference. Let's talk about this for a second. Some rinks, you have the penalty boxes and the timekeeper box on the other side of the ice, which would be like an NHL setup. You also have a lot of rinks that have the penalty box, the timekeeper on the same side of the ice and the benches. So, you know, in our rink here locally, we have everything on one side of the ice for one particular rink, and on the other rink, it's you know, one side is the benches and the other side is the penalty boxes and timekeeper. Case that you'll see is where the benches and the timekeeper and the penalty box are all on one side. The kid will jump out of the penalty box, and just do the little old swing and then go in the bench and then the substitute player. You'll see that quite a bit. Now, when you have the penalty box and the timekeeper on the other side of the ice, then they have to skate all the way across the ice. It still falls under the same rule 
as if you were changing players. You have to assume that if the player has to be at the penalty bench before his substitution can go out, it falls under the same process that you're going to go through for a normal player change during play. The player that's coming off the bench touches the puck while that player is still on the ice trying to retire himself coming off the penalty bench in this case, then it would be too many men. You could call a too many men on the ice because you have a player that's still on the ice, the skates are still on the ice, and you have a player come off the penalty, off the regular bench to substitute that player, and he plays the puck. Easy, 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 too many players. Where it gets kind of weird is the rule clearly states he has to be at the, to be at his bench. That's where it gets kind of iffy. Well, where, what do you mean to the bench? And somebody, oh, he's two feet. There. There's, no, there's nothing saying in the rule book that he has to be so many feet from the bench. In actuality, he needs to be in the bench. I mean, his skates need to be in the bench area when that player comes onto the ice. You have to just use your discretion because if the player is retiring, he had no, no intention of playing the puck. He's as good as being at the bench, and his substituting player can come on. Where it gets kind of iffy is if you if the puck just happens to come toward that bench and the player that's retiring decides to play the puck and the player that was substituting him is already on the ice, you again have a too-many player, so you can call it either way. But I think in general, to apply the rule, you just have to use your best judgment, and it's usually the back official that has to watch this unfold or the linesman if you're doing a four-man system. Play the puck or you didn't play the puck. Because I've had situations where the guy retiring, coming onto the bench, the puck goes off his skate. Well, it was a deflection. He didn't have any intentions of playing the puck. He didn't try to play the puck. He didn't even know the puck was there to deflect it off to him. That's really not a too-many-player situation. It's just a deflection. And the player went on the, you know, on the ice, and the substituting player was already on the ice. So it's kind of just a gray area there on how you apply the rule. So it's a great question, really, especially at the adult level with some of these guys, no coach, there's no person there saying line one, line two, or you're the wrong player. You don't have a, a parent that's helping out with the door like you do in a youth game. You know, in a men's league, you got to be really, really flexible with some of the stuff because the guys are just, you know, trying to do the best they can. Again, it goes to the level of play. I mean, I've even yelled at players, get off the ice, get off the ice because there's too many guys, but the puck's on the other end of the ice and they're really nothing that they could do. They turn around and go about face and head back to the to the bench. I, I'm not going to apply that as too many players because then it just, you know, the guys are out there just trying to do the best they can. When it comes to a youth level, you really have to apply that rule pretty much close to the rule. Again, you know, if that player decides to play the puck, you just got to call it. Got a, a parent or assistant coach over there watching the door, and it's his responsibility to tell players get on and off the ice timely manner so that they don't get a too many person or too many player penalty. So again, great question from Brian. Again, the great question by Larry. I mean, that's that's one that, you know, I've been involved with. A kick. A kick is harder and heck to see because you got two, three, four people in the in the slot, official at the high official, the top official saw it, immediately went in, made the right call, conferred with his partner, and then they just had to sort out this whole situation because the guy got mad and popped it out of play. Again, I appreciate everybody's support. These are great questions. I'm uh, trolling around Facebook and some of the other groups just to kind of bring this content, looking up the uh, rules in the rule book. I'm also looking at the comments to see what some of the officials out there giving back good feedback. Most, uh, I say 90% of the feedback for both of these questions 
on the group are really good. People were giving good advice out there. I mean, of course, you have some, you know, comedians that want to say, well, you know, did you do, I don't know, five beers or something silly. But again, keep bringing them on. If you have any questions or anything, please email us at topshelftalks at yahoo.com. Again, that's topshelftalks at yahoo.com. And we'll bring them on to the show here and uh, talk about it. Again, everybody have a great week. We appreciate the support. And uh, get out there and get reffing.